Hey, all right, it's Message Media and Movement. I'm your host, Eric Morse. Today, we're talking to two college classmates of mine, Brian Goodman and Dave Barrett. They went into two very different fields, but 20 years later, they came back together to launch an early childhood education startup called Drawn to Discover. Brian, or as we called him, Goody, was our school's starting quarterback. And after school, he went from our small college town in Indiana to a career in marketing and advertising, working in sports and event marketing, CPG, and entertainment. He hit Leo Burnett, Draft FCB, Starcom MediaVest, ESPN, MTV, and in 2013, he was one of a small team handpicked to launch Sean Diddy Combs's music video startup called Revolt. In 2016, he embarked on a totally new endeavor, founding and launching Drawn to Discover, an online video-based curriculum that helps kids develop visual literacy, fine motor skills, and creative thinking. And that's when he teamed up with Dr. Dave Barrett, a teacher, counselor, researcher, and author who travels the country training middle grade educators on preventing risk in the classroom. Goody and Dr. Barrett also host a podcast for Drawn to Discover called What is Creativity? And in the time they've been doing that, they've hosted artists, entrepreneurs, an 11-year-old fashion designer, and a Pro Bowl NFL linebacker. And since creativity is at the heart of all we do in the field of marketing, and these guys have approached the subject from vastly different angles, I thought it would be good to pick their brain on the topic. So today, episode five, Brian Goodman, Dr. Dave Barrett, Creativity. I've been after with this, with my podcast, uh, Message Media Movement, has been to kind of explore the business of marketing um, and messaging and audience building from both the for-profit and brand side and also the non-profit um, and kind of social good side. Um, and uh, so, it, you know, in our conversations, especially with you, Brian, I... I have been kind of intrigued because you have lived both sides of it. And mm -hmm. uh, I feel like um, there is probably a wealth of experiential knowledge and learned knowledge that you've gathered. Um, and I'm curious, so what carryovers did you find between your agency work and then launching Drawn to Discover? Or were they entirely different? Or did you find that... Um, I think... The funny thing is, is um, when I start talking to friends, especially friends from the advertising and marketing space who I had known over the past 20 plus years, um, one of the things that they, you know, when, when I say, yeah, I started a children's literacy platform, <laughs> like, look at me like I've got three heads. What? And, and I'm like, and oddly, I've used every inch of my resume, you know, I mean, everything I have learned in advertising and marketing and, you know, and sales roles and, and client side roles and everything I've done over 20 plus years in that business has applied to starting this sort of 
you know, social benefit company of helping children understand the importance of fine muscle control and its its ability to kind of help jigger the brain and start the brain really thinking better and reading better and, you know, cognitively, um, you know, expanding quickly um, just because of those connections. So, you know, a lot of it is just trying to make sure that you are thoughtful and think through things and be creative. And, and um, you know, when you really do it for something that you are passionate about, um, I, I remember one of your early podcasts, the two, uh, to do, the two guests were talking a lot about passion and, and how important passion is. Um, and, and, that's, and that's all about it. You know, that's, that's everything, especially when it's your own company. It's like, you better, you better feel it. Huh. Um, cause I didn't always have that on the agency side of things, a product that you are passionate about and a product that, you know, is all about good. I mean, you know, it, it only can deliver good and, and that's what drawn to discover is it can only help kids, you know, no matter how you look at it. Um, it makes it super easy and super fun. Uh, so yeah, I, I think the interesting thing is, is just understanding what you learn in your in your advertising and marketing space is how to understand a consumer, how to think like a consumer, and um, how to connect to sort of those passion points, you know, within the consumer and, and what to touch. Um, so to me, that's the important piece. If you have something worth connecting, it can make it easy. So Dr. Barrett, as an educator, a counselor, and a researcher, um, and a father, <laughs> it's gotta be, um, well, so I'll put it this way. So Goody, you, you mentioned a few things that really resonated with me just as a marketer and also as a consumer and as a person. Um, I've often said sometimes at ill-advised times <laughs> that marketing is not rocket science, right? It's based on not at all. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, if you, have been a consumer, if you have certain either empathetic or analytical abilities, I feel like 80% of us can achieve a certain degree of, or at least could do the job of your standard marketer. Um, and so, David, not that you're engaged specifically in the marketing of, of Drawn to Discover, but I feel like... Um, you know, as someone who is engaged in so many different ways with people who are consumers, you know, you're an educator and a counselor um, and a dad. Um, do you, what's your take on that? What's your take on that theory that the work of marketing is more kind of a human work than a matter of expertise and all that? I think that's a, great way of saying it. I've never had thought about it, but I think so much of what we do in education and I think just life in general, it's really about connection. And so I think what you guys are saying from the marketing standpoint, you're trying to connect with a consumer and get them, uh, either persuade them or make them aware of the product. And, you know, uh, I listened to some of your podcasts uh, this week, driving back from West Texas, of having worked in some schools out there. And at first I was like, oh man, this this topic, this uh, podcast kind of outside my wheelhouse, but you know, the more I listened to some of the conversations and thought about it, 
you know, there is a lot of overlap. I mean, in the classroom as a teacher, you're trying to market your curriculum to the students uh, on a daily basis and trying to persuade them to be engaged and to do their best. When you have that passion, uh, you can more easily persuade people, especially I've always tried to come from a strengths-based approach. When I uh, became a, a counselor therapist, I learned a lot about, you know, rather than the old, the old model of kind of the Freudian type therapist sitting on the chair uh, taking notes while the client lays on a sofa and talks about their dreams or, you know, seeing their seeing their parents naked when they were kids or some things like that. Um, you know, now it's really more about when the, you know, I've worked with a lot of families and adolescents. So it's like when you come in, you're the expert of your family. You know your child. You know your family. You know your system. You know, I'm here. I have expertise um, and I know things that work and tools and I can help connect you with those tools. But I'm not here to tell you what to do in your life and with your family. Um, you know, I don't, and that, because it's more empowering when they can come up with the solutions. When I was a school counselor and I was part of the leadership team and doing some things with really trying to help our struggling learners, um, I had to really try to persuade teachers to try some things differently, try to get out of that old model. And it really worked after being there for a little while and developing trust with them and showing them that I was really passionate, really caring. I was willing to do the work to not just sit back and tell them what they should do in their classroom. And so we were able to do some innovative things on the campus because even the people who are a little bit skeptical and had been around for a long time and seen things come and go, they were persuaded, I guess, by my passion, by my trust that I had built with them and that vision. And I got their input too. It's like, okay, how do we do it? What do you think? So it, it's um, I think again, it comes back to connecting people and connecting to their strengths, to their desires, to their hopes and dreams. That's really fascinating to me. And as you were talking and describing kind of a new model of counseling and, and how that also works in the classroom, um, it resonated with me because uh, it's not too different from the way people talk about marketing now as opposed to 15, 20 plus years ago, where it was very much a unidirectional communication. And I feel like you can kind of see that happening in a bunch of different parts of our society, including, you know, the, the, a lot of um, uh, scandals and controversies with the police over the last couple of years. And there's a bigger movement or the movement is picking up speed to move toward a neighborhood policing model. Um, it seems like, it, and to get back to marketing, you know, we talk about like customer centric marketing where um, the, the message and even the product itself needs to be built around the values that the customer holds as opposed to something that customers being fed or told. Um, and then as you get into either schooling or counseling or policing, whatever, there's kind of this this almost like decentralization of that authority figure. Maybe I'm maybe I'm mischaracterizing that, but I find it I, really. Go ahead. I, I just find that really no. interesting. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I used to joke all the time um, when I was in the agency world about how 
you know, we're working in a C plus business. My goal is always just to be a B minus. <laughs> I just want to be a little bit better. Than That's awesome. <laughs> you know, cause it's like, it, it is so much of what we do in marketing is sort of like, you know, gut balanced by some research and data, right? Well now, because research and data is so prevalent to, you know, the average consumer, right? Um, everyone is an expert. And so, you know, we used to just kind of spray and pray and throw messaging out there. And, you know, and if you had a major, a major uh, brand or product to offer, you, you knew you were going to hit a good portion of your audience if you threw it on the right program or in the right you know, website or, or, you know, magazine, remember those, um, you know, and that type of stuff. But now even, even mass marketers need to niche market, right? Cause everything goes down to, I got to tap into that one insight within my audience to make, to make them move faster to buy, you know, from consideration to buy, you gotta, you know, how fast can we drive them through the purchase funnel? Um, you know, to, to get their attention, get them to consider the product, to get them to research it, and then to get them to purchase it. And, and now, I mean, a lot of that, that research funnel used to look like a cone, you know, an upside down cone, right? Yeah. And now it's like this crazy, goofy, you know, Super Mario world, <laughs> <laughs> you know, of all these, you know, left turns, right turns, or a Pac-Man screen, um, if you're old like me. And, and so, you know, you really got to think about connecting with each individual in your audience in a different way. And so it really, it, it has made the business more interesting and challenging, um, but it also has made the consumer more educated and and now the consumer really has the control and the power, and I think that's a really cool flip. You know, as Dave was saying, you know, when you when you bring in a family to counsel them, they're the experts. Heck, you know, if you're a mass marketer, your client, you know, your your consumer is the expert. They know exactly what they want, and and they know everything there is about the product. It, it's a matter of connecting on that message at the right time and place. It's this fun mix of science and art. creativity um, and I've enjoyed listening to the many different guests um, that you guys have had on your podcast you guys explore creativity from you know a wide range of different perspectives from uh, people in the classroom to people in startups to people in traditionally creative jobs and all the way up to your latest episode was a professional athlete um, yeah. so I thought, you know, since marketing is still at least traditionally considered um, a creative endeavor, um, and it's certainly a lot of people who work in marketing are interested in creativity, um, I imagine that the two of you would have some, would have picked up some pretty interesting learnings and perspectives on creativity after how long, a year and a half or, or more yeah. of doing the podcast? Uh, it's been. Yeah, we started last summer. Yeah, okay. so yeah, not quite. We're getting a year. We're almost a year. Almost a year. A year. Yep. 
Yep. Yeah, I think uh, some of the, it, to me, my favorite podcast was um, a podcast we did with Dave Hirsch, who uh, we all know, um, but, you know, he's, he, he was a, one of these startups that made it, you know, and, and he's, he talked about himself, you know, after we all graduated college, he went into the consulting world, you know, that remember the whole Anderson consulting wave of the nineties. Um, and, and he really just started thinking about things differently, but he, you know, he was analytical enough to, to kind of get through that, that space and that world, but really started just thinking about, okay, communication, the importance and the power of communication when it comes to developing a product and taking it to marketplace and and getting a team to work together. It's like, you know, your your entire team, and especially in the tech world, can't be in the same room at all at the same time. And so, you know, when he, when they 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 were one of the first companies that really started sort of the group messaging platform that everyone uses on, you know, in their social media today. But really that that whole mindset and idea started with helping teams collaborate better um, just within the workspace. And, you know, it was it was sort of like before social media ever hit and, and everything else. And so when you think about it in terms of the creativity that it took from, you know, his brain and his partners and, and what they wanted to do um, and then apply it and, and not just have like a great idea. Right, but really figure out the problem solving to uh, to execute it. Then, I mean, that he's to me one of the most creative individuals we've we've spoken to, and we've spoken to artists, we've spoken to music folks, actors, all kinds of stuff. Yeah. And 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 then, you know, to really the quote unquote traditionally creative platforms, you know, you know, jobs, and you know, and you have a tech head. <laughs> is is really you know truly creative and and that and that's where it helped us kind of redefine what creativity is and that's what you know the, again the impetus of our company was to make sure the next generation is creative in terms of how they think and and work and and problem solve because creativity is all about problem solving and you know and and I always felt like creativity was too limiting in terms of what society and even the advertising space you know, makes it right. You know, the, mm. the, the department was, you know, we have a creative department. Oh, those are the creative people. No, we're all creative. We all have to be creative. We all have to problem solve. Right. And so, you know, part of the reason we started the podcast was to make sure that we could educate parents on why creativity is important for their kids, because whether you're a lawyer, a tech startup, an artist, an actor, a music producer, an entrepreneur, you have to be creative about how you approach your business on a daily basis. Creativity is everything in our economy. We are the creative economy now. And and that's, and, and, you know, especially with manufacturing and all the rest of these types of jobs, um, getting, becoming more robotic and everything else, you know, we got to make sure that our kids are that way. And I feel like, you know, that that's what has been really cool for us in terms of developing the uh, the podcast is really exploring that whole idea even more. You know, it, you know, it just makes us think what type of person or um, worker, you know, career person do we want to have on next? Because yeah. 
you know, creativity is limitless when it comes to, you know, jobs and and industries in in my mind. So, Dave, have you had a similar kind of redefinition of creativity as as you've gone through the podcast and applied what you've learned and the people you've met to your day to day life? Absolutely. I think, you know, Brian was really hitting the nail on the head and just, you know, personally, I would have never described myself as a creative person because I wasn't necessarily artistic or, you know, musical or things like that. And I've kind of grown just to see in my own ways, like, well, you know, I actually have a lot of creativity when it comes to problem solving, like Brian said, or, you know, trying to relate to different people. Um, Because in my work, I get to engage with Uh, Right now, I I travel across the country and work with different schools and different school districts. And so trying to find ways to connect and reach them, you've got to be creative, Um, you know, creatively communicate, creatively find solutions for their needs. And I think a perfect example of sort of the old idea, the old paradigm of what creativity is, uh, is it's an instructional coach. So she's a former math teacher in middle school and she now teaches teachers. And I've been working with her for a few years with helping their, their school uh, achieve some of the goals and they're in a really high need area of uh, students. And I was just in a meeting with her and her team. And, you know, so she's, she's a math teacher and she's very analytical and she loves spreadsheets and she's very, you know, in that logical sort of what they call left brain thinking. And then she just said to herself, she's like, but I'm not very creative. You know, the, the English language arts people, they, if you give them a blank sheet of paper, then they can get creative, but I need my spreadsheets and things. And I, I didn't bring it up cause it wasn't pertinent to the conversation, but I was like, no, you don't <laughs> understand Diane. You are so creative. Like I've worked with you, the solutions that you find and the, the way that you use your data and the way that you connect. I mean, trying to teach, first of all, teaching kids math is a creative endeavor. Uh, teaching adults how to teach math is even, <laughs> you really have to be creative. <laughs> teaching adults is way harder than teaching children. Um, <laughs> and so I just really feel like that's the big thing is we need this paradigm shift. We need even bigger than a paradigm shift. We need, um, there's a term I read um, called metanoia, and I, the author's name escaped me, but it was the the Tao of physics. Uh, and he wrote another great book, um, Turning Point. And it's, um, you know, we need something big. I called it a paradigm blend in my book where we're really looking at things differently because of what the future holds. It's We don't even know. Like we're teaching students to prepare for a world and prepare for jobs that don't even exist yet. You know, it's not back in the day, especially, you know, us Midwesterners. It's like you could go to school, get your high school diploma and get a factory job for life and, and make a good living. And, you know, uh, that, that doesn't exist uh, hardly anymore and probably won't exist, especially in 20 years. So I think we're really at a, an important time and where creativity has to be thought of differently. Uh, I was listening to a podcast uh, interview with Daniel Pink. That's what I was doing instead of watching uh, Mark Zuckerberg there. Brian. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he, he was talking about that right brain, left brain um, and how typically jobs we created for in education serve that left brain, logical, verbal, very structured thinking. But we need to really be focusing on the right brain and that more creative side because that we're going to have to create jobs. We're going to have to, we can't rely on manual labor, but it's kind of that mindless show up, punch a clock and make a widget all day. You know, that, that job is like Brian said, it's gone to automation. So, um, 
I, I, this journey of of discovering what creativity is has been really exciting because hearing the themes and hearing people talk about it in their different walks of life from yeah how what does creativity look like when you are a, a defensive end in the NFL and what does it look like when you know you're a painter and what does it look like when you're a, when you're doing a startup companies and taking over and turning around uh, tech companies and it's there's so many underlying themes and patterns there from the definition is very much the same it's a new way of looking at things it's a new a new twist a new approach it's freedom to try to do uh do what you want to do and follow your passion so it's yeah. I, i'm excited and i really appreciate the opportunity eric to be on your your podcast as you're you're exploring some new interesting things to me that's a different world than i know but then i i can see those those similarities. One of the themes that has come up in our podcast is the idea of creativity versus competition. And, you know, and what, what Dave was just saying is like, yeah, we, you know, everyone's got to jump, draw the line in the sand. This is what I think. This is what you think. And I had a, a mentor early on in my career who talked about um, approaching business with, and he didn't define it this way, but I've, I've come to define it this way myself over the past year or so, especially doing, you know, starting my own company. And, and you know, the podcast has kind of led me to kind of explore this on my own and evolve my thinking around it. But like when you think about competition, you're thinking about a pie. You're thinking about a pie that's already been made and you want a piece of that pie. If I, you know, I worked on Kellogg's cereal for a long, long time. I what I needed to reach people who were eating Kellogg's cereal and I needed to either take more users or more consumers who are e eating other Kellogg's cereals to eat mine or eating General Mills cereals or Post cereals or, you know, so like you're basically just trying to piece and pull things from an, a, a pie that's already built. But mm -hmm. to really grow business you and, and to really grow thinking, you actually just need to create the economy that you want, right? It's like you're creating, you need to create new things. And, and so competition is finite. It's me versus you. It's me versus a few, right? It, it, it's, it's very one-on-one -on -one oriented or one on the few oriented. Whereas creativity is infinite. It, it creates longevity, you know, it creates change. So when, if, if you think about things from a creative perspective, you're always going to be growing. You're always going to be expanding because, you know, er everything that we do in the universe is ever expanding, right? If you want to get super philosophical about it. But, you know, too much of society, especially in the 80s and 90s, I think, was all about competition. And we got lost from creativity. And so now, you know, creativity, because data is available to everybody, if we go back to our uh, earlier conversation, you know, the creativity on how to use all this and grow all this is is what we all should be focusing on and and learning how to be a creative thinker is uh is a fun exploration for every individual um especially kids yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's kind of the world we're living.